0: Good evening and welcome to Adventures in Gagging. It's Tuesday, I'm Aaron, and Stephen has graciously been forced out of the Game Master's seat so I can jump into it for two to three weeks to uh, to showcase uh, a, a game that is uh, being kickstarted right now by a friend of ours, uh, Pete Lattimore. He is the uh, founder and Twitch director of Garblad Games, uh, he created and successfully funded Dodeca, another uh, TTRPG. Uh, he's a published TTRPG cartographer, and he is the prime garblag of the Garpocalypse. And he has put together this wonderful game called Heroic Deeds uh, with artists Dean Spencer and uh, Mustafa Bekir. So we're gonna uh, we're gonna we're gonna give it a test run, and we're gonna see how it's going. But before that. We're going to let our players introduce themselves, and they're going to tell us, since we're playing some fantasy tonight, they're going to tell us uh, what their go-to character class or archetype is when they're playing high fantasy. So let's start with Kipser. So, shocking
1: to everyone, I'm very sure. Uh, I have a tendency to like rogues and uh, sorcerers. You know, a little bit of uh, picking the pocket, unlocking locks. Take the <laughs> take all the stuff from everybody else.
2: Excellent. Uh, Steven. So, I was thinking about it, and the first character I can remember playing uh, would have been a half-elf ranger back in 3E, but... Uh, it's been a long time uh since then and now I play spellcaster every chance I can get.
0: Awesome. Jeff.
3: Well, I don't usually play a lot of high fantasy, but I do very much enjoy dwarves, so I will play a dwarf usually any t- chance I get. Uh and and I'll I'll play pretty much anything. I like clerics, I like I, I don't know, I like um I like kind Jack of jack-of-all-trades characters. Like my favorite my favorite character I've ever played, which wasn't in a tier, but she was more like a scald. So it was like part warrior, part bard, like that kind of stuff. I really like.
0: And Melissa. Uh, yeah.
4: So the short answer to that is frontline fighter is kind of the easiest thing to just pick up and go with. Um, but in honesty, it's usually whatever I don't think I've played recently is the thing that I am now going to pick.
0: Wonderful. And for me, uh, let's see, my first character was in 1978. Um, we were playing the original pamphlets right after, uh, the original pamphlets of Dungeons and Dragons after Chainmail, and it was just a dwarf, because dwarfs did not have classes back then. Uh, but more often than not, you could find me, after that, playing either a paladin or a ranger, because uh, I just like to mix it up and be a generally good guy. Uh, and my dislike for people translates well in both of those classes, so it's, it's easy for me to, it's my wheelhouse. Um, but enough about us. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about heroic deeds. Um, check it out in the Discord. Somebody will will do me the favor and drop the links for, um, for Kickstarter it. itself. Jeff has got me hand. I knew Jeff would take care of it for me. Uh, also, there is a specific Heroic Deeds Discord channel out there. So you can you can join the Discord. Pete is on it every day. He's dropping interesting facts about Heroic Deeds and the setting and, and additional information. He's really easy to talk to. So if you've got questions about it, shoot on over there and take a look. And as well, you can also go and download the Quick Starter Rules right now from Drive-Thru RPG. Um, it's got the, the quick starter rules that we are going to be using tonight to play. Uh, there's a free adventure. There's some additional information out there. So you can jump right into the game and and, and give it a go yourself to see how you like it. Uh, and if you don't get enough here on the lollygaggers and you want to check out some more actual plays of it, go check out Garblag Games, their YouTube channel. Uh, Pete has been running his own crew through the Red Hand of Doom, which I've mentioned every week for the last couple of months. Um, and you can see it there. Uh, we're only going to play a few weeks. You're not going to see our, these characters really level up, but if you want to see how the deed mechanic works and leveling up works, go check out those videos on Garblad Games, and you'll see those characters really start to progress um, before he kills them off, uh, which has not happened yet. So they've been pretty lucky. Um. So I think that's all the boilerplate information out of the way. So let's talk a little bit about Heroic Deeds. So so what is Heroic Deeds? I'm gonna let Pete's words speak for themselves here because I think he sums it up better than anybody else could. Heroic Deeds is a goal-based heroic fantasy role-playing game with an old school aesthetic, but modern mechanics. It's about exploring an unknown land, locating strange and dangerous ruins, and delving into dungeons. Along the way, players, form their legends, and take on adventures to complete deeds. And as their deeds grow, the heroes gain more abilities and influence. And slowly, they start to explore the edge of civilization and uncover lost treasures. They are guided, refereed, and challenged by their game master, whose role it is to be an arbiter of the world. And the players decide what they want to do, the rules and dice dictate what is possible, and the game master informs of the outcomes and the consequences. It's also their jobs to represent the rest of the world around them. So all of us who have been playing TTRPGs for a long time get that. That's what my job is going to be. It's not going to be just to kill Steven. That's just one of my goals. Um, Goal-based. I think that's a a very important concept for this game. Um, The major difference you're going to find between heroic deeds and some other uh, well-known fantasy role-playing games is that in other games, characters often gain experience points, which they then convert into boosts for their attributes or skills, or they level up and they get set benefits. Um, in Heroic Deeds, that's it's right in the name, Deeds. Every archetype has specific Deeds, and you fill in your Deeds as you go along, and once you've completed a specific Deed, you get a specific Boon, Talent, Attribute Bonus for that. But in that way you can sort of drive your character the direction you want it to go. It's it's not cookie cutter. Now once you've completed 3 deeds you level up to the next level and then you've got additional sets of deeds that you can pull upon. So the original deeds you had plus the deeds from the second level open up to you so you can really nuance your character in a direction that that you want them to be represented in. Now heroic deeds um the system itself is the the mechanics are very system agnostic. You could pull this out, you could drop it into Faerun, you could drop it into the flanesse, you could drop it into the Old World, you could drop it into Meldebone or or Lankmar, wherever you want. However, Pete has developed a very interesting setting um, called the world the world mount um, or undron. and it's a it's a it's a giant. Celestial mountain of sorts with planes along each level. Um, so you'll see throughout the game descriptions, there'll be references to the world mountain. And at the actual final Kickstarter version, there'll be an entire chapter on it. So if you want to flesh out the world mountain and really dive into it, you'll have that opportunity. Now we talked a little bit about your legend, and that is how we Create characters in this game. You create your legend through a series of roles or choices that you make. And that's what we're going to start with tonight. We're going to start with character creation. Now, um, as I said, you can roll or choose. We are going to roll um, for our legend. And then when we get to archetype, we're going to allow our characters to choose or our players to choose their characters' archetypes. And then we will finish off the legend. And time permitting, we'll jump into some action tonight. Uh, before we get into the roles, though, I want to give you a little bit of information about what you're going to be listening for. So in the game, you have six attributes. Two of them are natural attributes. In other words, they're, they're what you were born with. There's guile, um, which is your natural cunning, your natural perception and awareness. And there's vigor, which is the measure of your athleticism, robustness, your physicality. Uh, and those are those are your natural attributes. Then you have supernatural attributes, and those are occult and psyche. Occult is uh, it's your ability to sense and understand and control external supernatural sources. So the magic around you. And then psyche is your inner strength, your force of will, and your personal confidence. And then the last set of attributes are professional attributes, and those are education and training. And so education is is what you learned; It's your book learning, academic understanding of the world. So it's what you, when you sat in school, you figured some shit out, that's education. And then training is is just what you think. It's what you've you've trained yourself to be. Um, So those are your six attributes. Under each attribute, there are three skills that are associated with it. Uh, and so, what happens is, as we start filling out and rolling our characters up, each each sentence of your legend, and you'll see what I'm talking about here in a second, will um, give you a descriptor uh, that you can role play to, and it will give you a, a bonus to your go- uh, to your attribute and to a skill. All of your attributes start at a base two. No attribute can go above five. All of your skills started zero, and no skill can go above five. So the first step in your legend is you were born. Uh, so it's, it's got a similar feel to some life paths. So the sentence starts, I was born, and then you roll a D12. So we're going to start with Stephen. Stephen is going to roll a D12 for me and tell me what he gets. All right. Uh, Seven. Seven. So I was born among the clouds. You were a native to the sky islands of Yeneth or some other celestial kingdom? Or do you trade with the stalactite dwelling Hawkfall? So you were born to the clouds. So between now and next Tuesday, you'll tell us where how that fits into your character you were born to the clouds what way does that matter so you get hawk a plus sound pretty cool so it could be you could be you could be a trader you could you could uh, your family could have chartered an airship and been traders with hawk folks you get a plus one to your education So your education is now 3 and you get one pip in survival make a note all right got it you were born among the clouds kipser give me a d12
1: I've rolled a 4 uh to muck and toil.
0: That's exactly. about right. <laughs> so uh you're from a lower tier of society, born to a sem- or born to a simple uh simple life on the land, you were maybe a farmer or you worked in a, as a low merchant or something like that. So that gives you a plus 1 to psyche. So your internal mental fortitude's a little tougher from having uh you know, lived that lifestyle, and you get plus one to street. Now, um, survival, uh, what what Stephen got, that's, that's, that's surviving outdoors, that's in wilderness, that's foraging, being able to make a camp, being able to make a fire, hunting, that's survival. Street is the exact same in an urban setting, being able to survive the mean streets of whatever city you were born in. All right, Jeff, give us a D12. All right. All right. I got a 12. Lolly. Okay. So you were born into the rank and file. So either your family were camp followers or your your parents were in the military. You were, you were let, raised on a fort or a military base of some sort. So um, you grew up uh, working out with the soldiers. So you get a plus one to your training and you get uh, one one pip in tactics. Now, tactics right. is um, it's what you think. It's military t- tactics. It's being able to s- situationally uh, consider a battlefield. But also, tactics is one of the skills that you roll for initiative. You either roll tactics or observe, so that gives you a, a bump in initiative. And we'll talk about some of the more the mechanics when we get a little deeper into it. Um, so we've got someone. Uh, Born among the clouds, someone born to muck and toil, and someone born to the rank and file. Melissa, how are you born?
4: Uh, So I rolled an 11, which is in a long shadow.
0: Nice. So some uh, mundane but dark past hangs over you. Was it your fault? Or do the sins of your parents' linger? So we'll find out about that next week when we, we actually fully meet our characters. And I can't wait <laughs> to see how Melissa was born in a long shadow. Now, this also gives her plus one to her training attribute and gives her one pip in shadow. Shadow is kind of what you think. It's stealth. It's being able to track someone stealthfully, It's sneaking around, pickpocketing, that kind of thing. Uh, Possibly opening locks, but more than likely opening locks would be under operate, depending on the kind of lock. But now we all know how our four characters were born. That's the first line of their legend. The second line of their legend starts with, I trust. So this is the second step of your legend and represents what your character holds dear to themselves. So let's start with Kipser this time. What does your character trust?
1: I trust five. I trust not but steel.
0: Ooh. Okay. So the world is controlled by those with the biggest armies, and you know the values of the art of war. So maybe you were in a street gang or something. Who knows? Yep. We'll find out. But you also get a point in training. And you get one pip in the skill prowess. And prowess is used for a lot of melee combat skills. So, And we'll get into this when we get into the trappings a little bit later. But depending on the type of weapon you use determines what skill you use with that weapon. So after we've built our legend, you can say, okay, well, I'm really good at prowess. I might want to use a weapon that's based on prowess. So you can see how that starts to dial together. All right, Jeff, what do you trust? What do you hold dear?
3: All right. thought than Steven, go. apparently. Uh, I got an 11 this time. I trust <laughs> in coin, or I trust coin. Oh, I definitely don't trust Steven. I'm not stupid.
5: Are you kidding? <laughs> 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 I'm the
0: <laughs> uh, coin. Uh, there we go. I like it. So we all uh, we all know that money makes the world mountain turn. The lure of gold has made you adventurous. So, coming out of a mercenary lifestyle, perhaps uh, making the making the cash made sense. So you get a point in guile, and you get a pip in the skill deceive. And deceive is just what it sounds like. It's it's deceiving people. All right, Melissa. What do you what do you trust what do you hold dear?
4: uh okay uh, I trust the weakness of others
0: All right so a shrewd observer of people uh, you identify their weaknesses or vices and use it against them. So you get a point in psyche in the attribute psyche and you get a pip in the skill insight. And insight is much like it sounds like. It's reading people. It's under. It's knowing when somebody's lying. So if, let's say, Jeff's character was trying to deceive you, you would roll insight against his deception role uh, as opposed roles, and the person who got the most successes would uh, know whether or not Jeff was full of shit or not. And that brings so, us back around, yes?
4: Seeing a rogue, That the steps are...
0: Definitely,
4: Definitely. Going. it's, it's <laughs> ticking
1: Definitely down that, have to that way.
0: Be an upright person this time. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> it's, it's ticking down that way. But we'll see. There's there's a lot more. There's a lot more to your beginning legend to be found. Uh, that brings us back around to Stephen. Uh, what do you trust or hold dear? All right,
2: uh, nine. I trust what I can see before me. All
5: right.
0: So the gods, magic, and the ether may all be undeniable, but the world around you is real enough for you so you get uh a point in vigor which is your basic physical uh athleticism as we discussed and a pip in survival
2: that's two in survival now
0: two in survival so you know uh you're a pretty hardy guy out in the out in the wilds in right. real
2: life too but you know who's bragging i
0: uh i would have never doubted that he
3: survives all sorts of crazy things, including extraterrestrial encounters. Okay, <laughs> that did happen. I, I have know, footage. Like, I know. I'm saying it. And you survived yeah, And you're here, here tonight, you're here. so you survived it. You, you wouldn't be it. here otherwise.
0: We, we won't ask about any probing or anything like that. We don't know.
3: <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> just presume it happened.
0: We just got to yeah, get a roll with that. Uh, All right, so... Uh, we've talked about who you were born. We've talked about um, what you hold dear. Now, the third line of your legend starts The World Taught Me. So, this is about your youth uh, and it reveals something about your upbringing. This will provide you, once again, an attribute bo- a boost and a skill increase. So, this time we're going to start with Jeff. Roll me a D12.
3: Okay. The World Taught Me. Nine knowledge is power. I'm all over the place. All right. <laughs> so, that's those another, the, another point in guile. Yeah. yeah. Those
0: at the top are there because they hold all the secrets. What would you do with the secrets if you held them? So, you get another point in guile and you get a point in lore. So, and mm-hmm. this is like lore is a catch all knowledge skill. I mean, it's understanding things about the world, it's, you know, deciphering things. So, uh, Virgo with Melissa what's what's the world taught you what was your young years like
4: uh so I rolled 11 again so the okay. world taught me that forewarned is forearmed
0: I like it although no plan uh survives first contact with the enemy any kind of conflict is made easier with preparation in other words you plan for this stuff uh you get a point in education. So you've got some book learning under you and you get a pip in the tactics skill. And once again, that can impact uh, your initiative and a few other things, which we'll get into a little bit more when we talk about skills. So background to Stephen: What was your young years like? The world taught me a dark truth. Your eyes were open to something foreboding of a magical or political nature. How do you cope with it? We'll find out how he copes next week. I'm sure he'll be interesting. You get a point in education and you get a pip in the skill arcane. And Kipser. what I'm was right. your young years like? What did Ooh, the 10. World teach you?
1: Um, the world taught me action must be taken. I am a frontline fighter for sure.
0: <laughs> Sometimes talk is not enough. Endless circles of debate paralyzing whole societies. It is better to act. So we'll hear we'll hear about how characters, Kipzer's young character acted in their youth. This gives you a point in training uh, and a point, uh, a, a pip in might which is like your strength-based skills and obviously used for like heavier weapons and things like that. All right, I think the world has taught everyone something at this point. So we're going to track down to I seek the next sentence of your legend. So this is your cause, is your fourth step, hence towards the motivations that drive you to adventure. So Melissa, we are going to start with you and see what you seek.
4: Um, I seek fame and fortune.
0: You seek fame and fortune. Who doesn't want to become a world-renowned adventurer with their own private castle? I mean, it does sound pretty good, really. (laughs) I mean, property taxes on a castle would be outrageous, particularly if you live in California. But, uh, still, you gotta have some fun with it, right? Uh, So you get a point in (laughs) guile, and you get a pip in survival as well.
5: So Very
4: some, uh, spread
0: so yeah, far. Get some rough and tumbles all over the place. Uh, Stephen, what is? what do you seek? What motivates you to adventure?
2: Uh, I seek forbidden knowledge. Holy crap. Uh, oh, yeah. So
0: the dark places of the world hold great power and arcane mysteries, and you will recover it. So you get a point in a cult, and you get a pip in the skill weird. Basically, I think Steven has re-rolled Sobek. <laughs> but a little bit harder. That went
3: super well. That went
0: super yeah. well.
1: Yeah, <laughs> no, it did. It did. Yeah. It, it, it speaks well to your odds of killing him again.
0: It does. Um, it really right. does. It helps me out a little bit.
2: Yeah. Uh, uh Jeff for the future overlay, just Sobek Jr., you know, that's all we
0: Sobeck need. Sobek Jr. Done. I got it. <laughs> uh Kipster, what do you seek? What compels oh, you think- to adventure?
1: I seek ultimate
0: power. Well all right. Uh the truth is that ultimate power resides in the arcane ways of the dwarves of the age of formation. You get a point in a cult and you get a pip in the arcane. Okay. So interesting, interesting. And Jeff, yeah. what do you seek?
3: Okay. I seek. That's cut. Try it again. Uh I seek a better life. Look at that.
5: All right.
0: There is escape from your life aside from gathering your things and heading off in search of an adventure. So you get a point in guile. You're very guile, and you get a pip in craft.
3: I've maxed out guile. In fact, I'm at five. Can't go any higher. There
0: you go. Wow, you are uh, the master of guile. Mm -hmm, Um, Boom. Let's go. (laughs) So those are those are your legends. The sentences of your legends that bring you to the point where you select your archetype. So uh, I'm going to read what the what the archetypes are in the quick starter, and these are the archetypes that are going to be in the core book. Uh, I know that Pete has teased the possibility of additional archetypes if um, you know if 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 he gets into those far enough into stretch goals or for future supplements, but these these kind of cover a lot of the basics that you you find in fantasy games it gives them a very interesting new uh spin on them so bear with me uh the first is battle rager this is a school of fighting that was created to counter the reckless creatures that spilled forth from the age of challenge battle ragers give themselves over to battle putting their focus on destroying and debilitating their enemies might is key to their survival as they expend wounds and rely on dealing damage. Psyche is also important as they need to convince their opponents of their complete lack of fear of death. So Battle Rager, you can think it's kind of your classic Berserker, Barbarian, Slayer from uh, Warhammer 4K uh, or 4E, so that, that kind of feel for it. It's your Conan the Barbarian. Next, we have the Dark Delver. A skilled dungeoneer and rugged survivalist that finds powerful relics in the depths of, I'm going to butcher this, uh, Barg Dumaraz, which is part of the old world. But imagine any great uh, dwarven undercity. The Dark Delver is competent and stealthy in combat and an expert in disabling traps and evading enemies. Guile is important for a dark delver, as a lot of their abilities are around sneaking and awareness. Likewise, training is valuable as they rely on mechanical expertise to overcome traps. Third is the light bearer, a warrior and adventurer that is a living concentration of divine energies that permeate the layers of the world mountain. They are chosen by their gods to lead the battle against the darkness. Might is important for a light uh, for a light bearer, as they must take up arms against foul creatures. Psyche is even more so, as nothing defends a light bearer more than their resolve and faith. So you know uh, you've got dark delver is is obviously very similar to to a rogues or uh, artifice, uh, artificers for to a certain degree. Light bearer definitely has that feel of. Aladin or a cleric or uh, you know a templar or something along those lines. Uh, next is the oath sworn. This is a warrior of ultimate skill and dedication who has chosen a path of martial perfection. Emboldened by their physical prowess, these fighters often lead groups of adventurers on their perilous quests into dark dungeons. Prowess is the focus of the oath sworn as it governs most martial weapons. Might is also fundamental, ensuring they are vital and able enough to perform feats of physical strength. So this is your classic fighter, um, you know, a professional mercenary. Next up, we have the Rune Wielder. A magic user that learned of the ancient runic arts and harnesses great power through arcane spells. Their paths require them to understand the deeper and sometimes darker secrets of the world mountain. A cult is key to a rune wielder as it is a doorway to arcane and the source of their powers. Due to their exploration of myths and enigmas, their education is also important to their abilities. And then last we have the wind walker. Somehow infested with a piece of the verdance, Uh, if, if you're thinking uh, Dungeons and Dragons, Parlance, something similar to maybe the Feywild, um, these wanderers uh, know the ways and forms of nature. So completely do they know them that they have access to powerful adaptations which allows them to shift their shapes. Might is important to a windwalker as they literally change and twist their body forms every day. Education is also key, uh, developing as they learn the truths of the veridans within them. So this is interesting. they are kind of a, a kind of a druid feel to them. Uh, there's also a bit of the spore druid in there as an idea, um, and obviously as a, a shapeshifter. So those are those are the archetypes that are included in the quick starter. Um, and before we get into choices on that, I want to talk a little bit about ancestries. Now, ancestries uh in, in heroic Ds at this time have no mechanical benefit to them whatsoever. And that was in part uh to make sure that you picked an ancestry that you wanted to role play, that you know, you felt interested in in, in role playing. So you didn't feel like you had to pick one for a mechanical requirement because it gave you certain boosts to your attributes or gave you a certain skill. Um, Pete has Toyed with the idea, and, and may you may find in the final version that he does add a little bit to an, the ancestries, but it would mainly be a boost to a specific defense. And we'll talk a little bit more about defenses when, when we get a little deeper into the rules themselves. But currently the ancestries are dwarfs, humans, Jotun, which are like they have the blood of giants in them, they're like half-giants, uh, Dracon, which are similar to humanoid dragons in appearance. Um you have gnomes, elves, uh, and minotaur, which are all very much like you would you would think of them in, in their classic fantasy tropes. Saurians are, are very typical of your lizard people or perhaps uh di- anthropomorphic dinosaur of some sort. Then you have goblins, hobgoblins, orcs, and kobolds, which are which are your or you know, your, your races uh that are from, you know, generally from like the Underdark or from the wilds, not as civilized, but here, you know, they are all of these races interact fully within society without any stigma. So there's none of that going to be attached, at least not to the any games that I'm running. So basically you can pick whatever ancestry you want to pick uh to reflect what you want to role play. You don't have to pick it now because it may you know, maybe you may change based on what, you're, uh, what you end up picking for your archetype. So that will be up to you. So, at this point, I am going to give uh, our players a few minutes uh, to look over the archetypes, uh, to maybe talk amongst themselves in Discord, decide how they want to uh, select their archetypes, and while they're doing that, I'm going to talk a little bit more about the anatomy of a character, what these stats kind of mean, uh, and then maybe talk a little bit about the mechanics, and then we will come back and we will see what they've decided, and then we will finish up the heroics. So, while they're talking in the background, let's talk a little bit about making roles in the game. This is a D12 game. You don't need any other dice, just a handful of D12s. Generally speaking, I I can't imagine you would need more than seven or eight d12s. Um, Probably not that many. Definitely not that many as you begin. But I am going to explain why. So in this game, you roll a number of dice equal to your attribute. So let's say Jeff's got a guile of five. So his minimum pool is five d12 and he's rolling a a guile test. Now, when you roll that, you're rolling against a skill. Now, to succeed, and most rolls only need one success, but to succeed, you need to get an 11 or a 12 if you have no training in the skill you're rolling at. That's where skills come into play. So, for each point you have in a skill, it reduces the target number of what you need to roll in that D12. So, let's say you had 3 in Shadow, and let's say, so that would take you from an 11 to a 10 to a 9 to an 8. So then all you would have to do is roll an 8 or higher to succeed with that stat check. And that can be modified based on, uh, you could get bonus dice from gear uh, or from certain circumstances, like if you're firing an arrow from an elevated position at somebody who's prone on the ground I might get you might get bonus dice you can also lose dice you know let's say that you need you know you're in total darkness and you're trying to fire, fire an arrow in total darkness well I might subtract dice from that uh generally speaking like I said you only need one success to 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 succeed in a check uh, there may be circumstances where the difficulty increases. Let's say you're trying to jump a 15 foot gap in a pouring rain, uh, and uh, and you're running for your life because you're there's a pack of ghouls behind you. I might say, well, you need two successes to successfully make that make that jump, um, and then you would roll that. Uh, The other areas where you might need multiple successes is when you get into combat. And we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, when we get there. But that's usually if if that's if you're making more than one attack in a turn. But we'll we'll get there. Um, In addition, when you're rolling your dice, let's say you do need two successes and you get one success. There is a mechanic called success at a cost. So if you roll one fewer successes than you need... You can spend a point of vitality, which is um, a currency and a measure of your of your well-being to make that a success. And then the last thing about rolling that we're going to talk about real quick is the hero die. So in your pool of dice, you're always going to have one D12 that is a different color or that you've identified as the hero die. And you're going to roll that every time you roll your dice. Now, what is important about the hero die is, let's say your target number is a 10, and you roll one 10, and you're rolling three sets of dice. You roll one ten, and you roll a 5, and then you roll a 5 on your hero die. If your hero die matches the number of another die you rolled, then that counts as a success. So that is a way for it to succeed. Okay? And we'll see more of that when we actually get into play. Um, in addition, there are extended roles. So let's say you're picking a complex lock. I might tell you that you need uh, to get four successes You know, uh, on that. Not, not in one roll, but four uh, iterative successes. So four rolls, one success each time over like a combat turn, which is six seconds. So if you're trying to pick a lock while everybody else is fighting around you, I might say, well, it's going to take you four successes in 24 seconds to do it. So that would be an extended roll. And we already talked a little bit about opposed rolls. That would be like insight versus deception. Uh, we roll all of our dice. Whoever gets the most number of successes succeeds at the check. And then one last mechanic I want to talk about really quick is the luck mechanic. So this is the currency in the game. Uh, and we, you have a number of luck points equal to the number of players plus one. So when we're playing, there's going to be five luck points. And I've got, I've got five little cool fantasy poker chips. And the interesting way about this is I've got them all set to one side. When a player wants to use a luck point, um, you say, okay, I I need to use a luck point because I want to re-roll, uh, my dice because they were crap. Um, you use it, but then it flips to the other side, and then it's bad luck, and that's a resource for me. So it's always a trade-off between what you get and what I get. So you can use luck to re-roll any number of dice you just rolled, but you must accept the second result on those dice. And then I can turn around and do the same thing with bad luck. And I'm not saying that I would target Steven's character with my bad luck points, because that yeah. would be, that'd be wrong of a GM to call out a cleric. I mean, you would you would
4: say it out loud that say you going of- to exactly. do
0: that. Exactly. You might see it sort of happen through play, but I would never say it out loud. Okay, uh, someone in the
2: audience, they're keeping track of when he uses bad luck. Let's get some stats in here.
0: <laughs> it's important. Somebody <laughs> should somebody should keep a very close eye on that. Um, one, uh, another important thing uh, that's derived from your attributes are your defense scores. Now, these are the targets uh, that I would roll against when I'm trying to damage you. And we'll talk about how combat works in a little bit. Uh, The first is toughness. And toughness is your ability to absorb or shrug shrug off physical harm. So that's going to be four plus your vigor. Now, don't write it down yet because your vigor could change as we finish out your archetype. But that's toughness. Vigor plus four. Uh, Evasion is your ability to avoid surprise areas of effect or ranged combat. And that is your guile plus your training. Um, and if you're using the foundry module, it auto calculates for you there. And then the last defense you have is defiance and defiance is your occult plus your psyche plus your education. And it's your ability to resist mental effects. So some sorceries, the frightened effect, things like that might, uh, might, uh, uh, proc off of defiance. And then there is protection. Protection is, is, is your physical protection. It's your armor. And this um, reduces the strength of the damage. So let's say in combat, uh, somebody rolls to hit, and let's say they hit, uh, and they get three successes on their hit roll. And their weapon has a strength of five. So they get to add their extra successes to the strength of the weapon. So that would take this weapon's dice up to seven. So they would be rolling seven dice... Um, against your defense number as the target uh, to do damage to you, but whoever's defending gets to uh, subtract a number of dice equal to their protection value of their arm. So there's a mechanic in there. So basically, uh, it's that your damage has to get through uh, the toughness of the armor that you're wearing. And we we kind of touched on this a little bit, so I'm going to go ahead and explain wounds and vitality. So wounds are your classic hit points. It's your life source. Um, When your wounds reach zero, you die. They are equal to double your vigor score. And then vitality is your ability to soak up hardship and it is a resource for activating certain abilities and powers. Um, If your vitality reaches zero, um, you, you 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 there's a condition that you have that either reduces your uh reduces one of your defenses. And we'll we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh and that is equal to your vigor plus your psyche plus your training. So think of vitality as is, you know, it's it's pseudo hit points, but it's also a, a a resource that you use to uh fuel some of your abilities. All right. I was uh, dancing around there for a while. So does everybody have their archetype selected? All right. We are going to start with Steven. Steven, what archetype hey. did you select?
2: I have chosen Rune Wielder uh, because I have a cult in education.
0: All right. So we'll, we're going to talk a little bit about Rune Wielder real quick. Uh, scroll down there to Rune Wielder. Now we're going to go ahead and we're going to finish out your, your archetype and select your abilities, and then we'll, we'll move on. So... Uh, we've talked a little bit about uh what rune wielders are, you know, your classic wizards, sages, warlocks, witches, etc. Um, from a mechanical uh standpoint, um you'll you'll have another line in your legend, but let's talk a little bit about the mechanics of it. You're going to gain plus one to your education and to your occult and you're going to get two initial talents. So you get an additional point in your education and an additional point in a cult. Rune wielders use vitality to cast magic so it pays to keep that resource topped up whenever possible and avoid direct attacks that might sap it. A starting rune wielder, this is some of your trappings, begins the game with an academic kit, a dagger, a traveling coke, and a purse containing 1d12 plus 6 silver pieces which you can roll whenever you want. They also begin with a spell book and scrolls, and that that is is reflects their talents, which we're going to talk about in a minute. But before we come to the talents, let's uh, find out what Stephen's next line of his legend is. Magic came to me... Give me a d12. All right, magic came to me in a strange discovery. Delving into the ancient ruins beneath Arlorn, you discovered a he- hidden trove, an arcane codex inscribed in stone. Or, I mean, that's a suggestion. Whatever it is, you'll tell us about next week. And that gives you a point in lore.
3: Or he discovered something in the sky communicating with him indoor coming down to Steele's boat.
0: Could be, could be.
3: Just brainstorming. We'll
0: find. We'll find. We'll we'll hear all about his legend next week. So the Rune wielder gets two starting talents. One is Arcane Secrets, so you're able to cast Arcane Magic. You'll select four spells, and these are inscribed within your spellbook uh, that you can read from in order to cast spells. When you use the cast spell action, the spell becomes more powerful the more actions you use to cast it. Uh, arcane magic takes a great c- toll both on body and mind. Unless otherwise stated, whenever you cast a spell, you must consume a runic item, like a scroll, um, or, spend vi- or spend the vitality as listed under the spell description. There are four types of spells that the Rune Wilders gain access to. Bindings, charms, invocations, and wards. And we'll take a look at those in just a second. The second talent you get is scribe scrolls. And this is uh, a downtime activity, it costs 10 silver pieces. Uh, you can imbue scrolls with spells from your spell book or another scroll. Scribing the, Scribing the scroll turns it into a runic item. When you use this activity, you create five plus level scrolls and must detail which spells you have used. When you cast a spell consuming a scroll, you cast them as if you were using the one action version of the spell but it does not cost you any vitality. You begin your adventure with six scrolls inscribed with spells that you have copied from your spell book. So we're going to flip down and we're going to take a look at the spells. When my PDF catches up with me. See, one of the interesting things about the archetypes is They all have special talents they draw from, and they're all different. Um, So, if you look down at the spells, um, the bindings are Arcane Seal, Explosive Ruin, Hardened Armor, and Keen Weapon. And the charms are Cause Fear, Distracting Sounds, Friend to Foe, and Mind Fog. The invocations are Firebolt, Kinetic Blast, Mind Spike. And web blast, and the wards are alarm, ruin, intellect, fortress, mage shield, and summon barrier. Now I'm going to let Stephen take some time to pick his spells while we're going through everybody else's. But the interesting thing is about a spell, and I'm going to I'm just going to read one to give you an idea of of how it works. So let's look at the ward alarm ruin. The base effect: you spend two vitality. Your fingers trace a ruin in the air. If an enemy passes. Within thirty feet of the location of the ruin, it is activated by the uh, by, with the listed effect of the action. The ruin is invisible, but may be sensed with a weird uh, check. It is not activated within tw- if it is not activated within twenty four hours. The spell ends. So if you cast that with one action, it emits it emits a loud repeating noise for the round, and then the spell ends. So it's an alarm if you cast it with two actions, it silently alerts you to the presence and then the spell ends. And then if you cast it with three actions, it gives you a mental image of the area around where the spell was cast then the spell ends. So you can see how if you decide to spend the vitality and then spend three actions on casting it that you know each of these spells become you know uh, significantly more uh, powerful. Steven, do you have any questions about No, I think that? I got it? It's pretty interesting. Pretty interesting. I, I, I like the mechanics a lot. So you're gonna you're gonna start with six scrolls uh, from the four spells that you are going to be able to select. And I just want to talk a little bit about deeds here since we're on it. So the level one deeds for a ruin wielder are arcane understanding, defensive arts, forge magic, magician and training offensive arts, and trickster. And the way a deed works is it relates to what you are doing in your action. So if you look at Arcane Understanding, there are four pips under it, and it says, cast four spells without consuming a runic item. In other words, you spend vitality to spend to cast a spell. Each time you do that, you would put, you would circle in one of the pips under arcane understanding, and when you had all four of them circled in, you would get the reward, which is you learn a new rune wielder spell, so your magic increases. Um, another example: forge magic, cast four bindings in combat or an encounter. So you've slight, you've you've gone hard into the bindings type of spells. You do that four times where it matters. And that's another thing. Deeds, it has to be something where it matters. You can't just be like, I'm just sitting around my campfire and I'm going to cast four bindings. I get that. It has to have an impact on the story. But let's say you do fill in all four of those, your reward would be to gain the artificer talent. So there are specific talents that can be tied to the deeds. There's certain, you know, and you can also increase certain stats or skills. So, and every archetype's deeds are, are different and tailored to them. So that's that's the rune wielder. That's Steven. We'll hear about his spells a little later. Kipser, what archetype did you select?
1: I have a lot of points in training. Uh, so wow. I was looking at the um, Lightbearer or the Oath Sworn. Um, and I think I'll go with the Oath Sworn as uh, just a frontline standard fighter. I do have a bit in Occult, which is tempting with the light bear, but I'm going to do Oath Swarm.
0: Yeah. Okay, Oath Swarm. Um, when creating your legend as an exceptional warrior, your fifth step details your Solemn Pledge, in which we will roll in a second. In addition to the benefits from the table, you gain plus one to your vigor and to training. And you get three initial talents, which we're going to talk about in a second. Uh, a starting oath sworn begins the game with an explorer's kit, a trusty weapon of your choice—battleaxe, longsword, warhammer—a chain uh, uh, halberk, some armor, a medium shield, a traveling Coke, and a purse containing one d twelve plus six silver pieces. Now let's roll a d twelve and find out what your life is pledged to.
1: I rolled a 5 so my life is unfortunately pledged to defending the meek.
0: <laughs> People of this land deserve protection against the darker forces of the world mountain and you've taken on that duty. Uh so we might flavors of paladinhood here. Uh, Ooh, yeah. so you get a bonus to your survival. So you get one more point in survival. Survival.
1: What one, one point in survival? Yes. yes.
0: Um, and you have three starting talents. We're going to start with Take a Breath. Mm-hmm. So this talent is uh, it's triggered with a special. Uh, it doesn't cost any action. It's instantaneous. Spend a number of actions to recover the same number of points of vitality. You may only use this a number of times equal to one plus your level per day. So at the beginning, you can use this twice a day. You can spend up to three actions to recover up to three points of vitality. Uh, warrior Bearing. Um, this action, this this cause costs one action to trigger, it costs one vitality to trigger, and it lasts for 10 minutes. You may use your vigor or training as the governing attribute for composure or manipulation skills. So if I call you to do a manipulation, you're like, I'm shit in manipulation. You could spend a point of vitality and use warriors bearing to you know basically scare somebody into line. Like this that. bring us. Brings us to the Oath Techniques, which is the third starting talent for your archetype. You're able to utilize weapons and armor in ways that others cannot. Techniques are activated in combat in order to achieve special effects, each requiring a certain armor quality, weapon quality, or damage type to use. There are three types of techniques, defensive, mobility, and offensive, and you begin with three techniques. So we're going to talk about the techniques, and I'm going to let Kipser look over them and decide what uh, what's going to fit for her, what's going to fit for the type of armor she wants to wear, use, and weapons, etc. So let's get down to techniques. The techniques are uh, absorbing turn, which is defensive, acrobatic vault, which is mobility, brace for impact, which is mobility, bravo feint, which is mobility, Duck and Cover, which is defensive. Duelist Wits, which is defensive. Hammer Smash, which, as one would expect, is offensive. Uh, uh, Hampering Trip, which is mobility. Penetrating Lunge, Lunge, is offensive. Shield Barge, which is offensive. Sword and Board, which is defensive. uh, Targeteer Shift, which is mobility. Frick Shot, which is offensive. Tuck and Roll, which is defensive. Wild Sweep, which is offensive. And each one of these types has a a, a requirement to it. So like um, uh, Absorbing Turn requires that you're wearing layered armor. Um, Duelist Wits requires that you're using a weapon that has parry. Um, Targeteer Shift requires you're using a ranged weapon that uh, has the load quality to it. So I'll give you some time to take a look at this. And I'm not tying any of the players down hard to anything they pick tonight. Um, you know, we'll have a week if if people want to shift up some things, even if we get into mucking around a little bit tonight. If you if you decide you really want to change something up between now and next Tuesday, I uh, I won't say no even to Steven.
1: Ooh, dangerous words.
0: Yeah. <laughs> what archetype did you pick?
3: Uh, I am going with Dark Delver as that's what fate suggests I should do as guile in, in uh what's it called training tend to be its thing. And that's yeah. I have. I'm not sure if you guys have heard. I have a lot of guile.
0: Yes. Full it. of guile. Yep. <laughs>
5: uh, I think you'd yeah, be going, more I'm subtle about Dark it. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, like it.
3: I couldn't hear you over the sonic boom. What was that, Steven? <laughs> <laughs> it's the matter, hipster. Uh, Uh, But yeah, Dark Delver, that's what I'm going with. I'm going to be Mr. Rogue.
0: I like it. So when creating your legend as a skilled adventurer, your fifth step details your need to delve, which we're going Mm. to get to in a minute. Uh, In addition to the benefits from the table, you gain plus one to your guile, which you can't, so you can put it anywhere else you want, and a plus one to your training.
3: Now, I have a question on that. I think, if I recall, I can only put it in vigor because of the paired attributing thing i think if i think so i can only i think Mm -hmm. i can actually only put in vigor so which is fine because that's where i would have wanted to
0: put it anyway good good catch and thank you for uh, for catching that um more of a plus one of training and three Mm -hmm. initial talents which we're going to talk about here in a second um you're starting as a starting dark delver you begin with a thieves kit a Mm -hmm. leather jerkin which is type of armor A short sword, a dagger, a traveling cloak, and a purse containing 1d12 plus 6 silver pieces. You may also select a light crossbow with 10 bolts or 6 throwing knives.
3: Well, it should come as no surprise I rolled uh, max silver pieces, by the way. I'm just very proud of myself for that. Got a little lolly. My d12 for that. There
0: you go. Um, So what do you delve in search of? Give me a d12. Okay,
3: here we go. I delve in search of, I delve in search of lost dwarven cities.
5: Nice. Uh, There's
0: history lost to you uh, and the wider world. The secrets of the age of challenger lost, but not for long. So you get plus one to tech. I believe that's uh, actually operate. Maybe operate. Yes, it's operate. Okay. That's going to be changed in the next version. It is operative. Gotcha. So that's like mechanical skills. Mm-hmm. And like um,
3: I think guns and stuff too. And yep, siege guns weaponry. And, yeah.
0: Yep. Siege weaponry and mechanical. I'm just going to carry a cannon with like
3: me. I love it. While mm-hmm. I'm stealthing along, if that's okay. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Put a, put a tablecloth over top of it. No one will know the difference.
0: Absolutely. Um, okay. So the three talents that uh a Dark Delver starts with is elusive shift. So it is triggered on a reaction. It costs mm-hmm. one vitality. Uh Use when you're the target of a successful attack or a hazard that targets your evasion defense. So this is a ranged attack against you or a trap of some kind. Increase your evasion by two before the effect of the strength is rolled. So it boosts your evasion defense. Mm -hmm. Once the effect is resolved, you may take a free step, which is a free five-foot step. And you can use this as many times as you want to spend vitality on it in a day. Perfect. In addition, you have the natural survivor, uh, at character creation, increase two of the following skills. You can either put, you can put plus one and either observe shadow might or operate. So two of those.
3: Gotcha. And, and, sh- uh, and shadow, um, is one of the other options, which is basically stealth. Uh, I think right yeah, in this game. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. it's, yeah. it's
0: okay. sneaking, it's pickpocketing, it's all that kind of stuff. Oh yeah, it's trailing so it's, people.
3: I'll figure out the second one, but that one's definitely getting a, a uh, an up. Yeah,
0: I like. It. And and the cool and interesting thing about the dark dweller is relic hunter. So you begin with yeah. one relic of your choice. This item is a pow- is powerful and attuned only to you. It will not work for any other person. Uh, all relics have a minor sometimes passive function, and a major function which only works in a limited way or a limited number of times per day. Dark Delvers are collectors by nature, and as they explore, they gather bits and bobs that don't necessarily appear on your character sheet. Occasionally, when deeds are completed, you might find some of the oddities are in fact relics that have bound to you and only manifest at higher levels. So, let's talk about starting relics for a Dark Delver.
3: They're really cool
0: i know i can't decide there's dark like Delver three i'm really so looking at cool. i mean i really like all of these archetypes they are really mm-hmm. interesting but dark delvers is, is really one of my favorite uh so you've got the interlayer container uh minor function it may hold up to your archetype level plus three worth of bulk and not count towards your bulk limit uh, so that would be four um I'm not going to go through the major functions. I'm just going to quickly go through the minor ones for all of these. Monocular analyzer. You gain a die when making an observed check based on vision while wearing this. Yeah. Um, Provisional bilocator. Increase your evasion by one to a maximum of 12 plus while you wear the provisional bilocator. So that's just a... Just a bump to your evasion defense, which yeah, is nice.
3: And there's a major function that we're skipping over because there's a lot of text. But one of the yeah. one of the ones that that is you basically create a double of yourself somewhere else. Oh yeah, yeah, which is
0: like it's so cool, it, so cool. Yeah. It's like I, I I love the Delvers stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Spectral refractor gain a die when making shadow checks while wearing the spectral refractor, so it makes you sneakier. You know, and kind of fade into the background. It can literally and then go invisible.
5: Literally
0: and then temporal capacitor uh gain a die when rolling for initiative while you wait while you wield the temporal capacitor so that's a time bubble man Mm -hmm. i uh i get to be
3: jericho wraith is what i get to be if i go that route
0: (laughs) (laughs) you get to break the game damn right hell yeah uh so that's that's the dark delvers relics so we'll let jeff uh tease over that um and then we're going to go to melissa and then we're going to after we get through that we're going to cycle back around and e- each player is going to tell me which particular spells or, or or uh techniques they picked so melissa what so, archetype did you pick
4: i went back and forth between Lightbearer and wild walker Mm-hmm. And initially picked Light Bearer and then was really sad about not being able to do the things in Wild Walker. So then it went with Wild Walker.
0: I, I I I hate to say, it, I mean, Wild Walker is my second favorite archetype, and it is just so cool. So let's talk a little bit about the Wild Walker here. Let me get to him. Uh, in the game, when creating your legend as a Verdant survivalist, your fifth step details your infestation cause you may choose, you'll, you'll roll, my infestation is blank, we'll get to that in a second. You gain plus one to your vigor, um, and plus one to your education, and two initial talents, uh nature's way and Verdance adaptation, and we'll talk about that as in a second. Uh, Windwalkers learn to express Verdance magic through their bodies. This is represented by adaptations that the windwalker learn as they complete deeds. These adaptations Provide them with additional capabilities, resistances, and attacks. They also develop abilities that help a party when they go on a journey. A starting Windwalker begins the game with an explorer's kit, a short sword, a short bow with 20 arrows, an herbalist's pouch, a traveling coke, and, as you guessed it, a purse containing a D12 plus 6 silver pieces.
4: And I rolled 12, so I have 18 silver pieces.
0: Nice. (laughs) Nice. You guys are rocking the cash. And you are get to buy some stuff here before the night's over. Um, so now roll a d12 and let's find out what your infestation is.
4: I rolled a nine. So my infestation is cold-blooded and
0: scaled. Ooh. The survivalist nature of the reptilian has proven useful to you many times on your adventures. So you get a bonus to survival. So you will explain to us next Tuesday how this cold-blooded scaled manifestation works on your character and let's talk about these starting talents so first is nature's way a character creation increased two of the following skills ride survival lore or medicine so pick two of those and up them by and up those two by one each okay the second and super cool ability is verdance adaptations he manifests the raw power of the verdance through only uh through the only channel that is always open to you, your own body. You shift your shape. So the trigger it takes three actions to trigger it. So, you know, it's basically one combat round to trigger it, uh, or right before a combat round. It now interesting about this is it costs you one wound. So the, the shape shifting causes you to take a wound of damage. So you're almost always below maximum health. Um and, but the good thing is, if once you select an adaptation, it's it's with you for 24 hours unless you choose to change it. So you can manifest the elements of the variance that change your physical form through the activation of adaptations. Once, an ad, adap, once you activate an adaptation, it lasts for a day and, or until you manifest a new one. Each adaptation provides three basic benefits while active. It increases one of your defenses by one. You gain a die when rolling on a particular phase of your journey. And we'll get there in a second. And finally, it provides an action that you may use. You get to choose two adaptations at character creation. And obviously, you can only have one adaptation manifested at a
5: time.
0: So let's get down to adaptations. First adaptation is Chitin uh, or Chitin, I guess. That would actually be more accurately pronounced. Uh, the features um, your defense is toughness, so it will give you a boost of toughness um, during the journey phase of an adventure. It will give you a bonus die to encounter, and it gives you the action of carapace. And I'm not going to read all the actions, but I'll let you look at those as we go through. I'm just going to go through the names and the defense and journey and and action name. Uh, the second name is feather, so you get feathers. Yeah, adapted feathers. Your defense uh, evasion improves uh your journey phase your during navigation phase you get a plus one die so if you were the navigator uh you get a bonus die for that and the action is predator which sounds cool i won't spoil it for people if you select it you'll tell us all about <laughs> it the third uh the third adaptation is hive so your defense that improves is evasion again navigation during journey and your action is hornets uh, this is. This reminds me of the old Marvel villain swarm. I just got that idea. Or uh, Hart had a, a B, uh class, mm-hmm. I can't, uh, mm-hmm. apiary. Or I, whoop, whoop. Yeah. Um, yeah, The fourth one is Horn. Uh, so the defense bonus is evasion. The journey is like in a hardship phase. If you are like walking through a bog of a swamp or something, and you and I told you to roll hardship, you'd get a bonus die for that. Uh, the action is headbutt. So seems self-explanatory, but we'll see. Your next name is Scale. So the defense that improves is Toughness. The Journey phase is also Hardship. Um, and the action is Slither.
4: This one seems like it fits, but I it's, rolled for the...
0: It does seem like it fits, but you don't have to pick yeah. it. You can pick any two adaptations you want. Sure. The next one is Spore. Helps with evasion defense, navigation, and the action is Cloud. Uh, anybody who plays Baldur Gate 3 it made me, immediately made me think of uh the Spore Druids, but uh uh the next one is Thorn. Uh, it improves your toughness defense, hardness, uh, hardship phase of your journey, and the action is bristle. And then the last one is vine, and it improves your toughness defense, uh, imp- helps you with your encounter phase of journeying, and the action is creeper. So you'll get to pick two of those. And in a minute, we'll come back and you'll tell us what those two are. So, Stephen, have you picked your spells? I have.
2: I chose one from each category. Uh, I chose Explosive Room, Firebolt, Summon Barrier, and Cause Fear.
0: Tell us a little bit about those.
2: Yeah, Uh, so Explosive Rune, I can etch a rune on something, and then if an enemy steps within a certain range, it explodes. Uh, The more actions, the bigger the explosion. Uh, Firebolt is pretty much exactly how it sounds. I can throw a bolt of fire at someone. Uh, The more actions, the more damaging it can be. Uh, Summon Barrier is like a Force wall uh it blocks movement and attacks, but not line of sight or airflow uh and the more actions, the bigger the wall can be and then cause fear uh again, how it sounds uh it's a frightening attack uh and then the more boring it is, it's harder for them to make the save against it.
0: Awesome, I love it uh Kipster what are your techniques? Um,
1: so actually, I did have a quick question sure. beforehand in the weapons section. So I can choose between a battle axe, a long sword, and a war hammer. and the long sword has versatile strength eight. Now, um, I can see that we've got some uh, toughness evasion. but where would the strength, like what is that a combination of? Sure,
0: I will I, I will explain strength. That's actually a wonderful segue. So what's strength- you' welcome. Strength is an effect dice. So basically, what that is is that's telling you the number of damage dice you roll for that weapon. Oh. So it's not an attribute. It's not a skill. That's the strength of your attack. Is is what that is. What strength uh, means. So okay. uh, it's and and the way it works is it's your the base die of your weapon or your spell or whatever type of attack you're using, mm-hmm. plus any additional successes you got on your your roll to hit. Uh, minus the protection value that, that that the whoever you're attacking has yeah. based on, on what kind of attack you're having. So that's what strength is. It's it's an effect dice that uh, is is all about damage.
1: And then because it's versatile, I need to have it uh, two-handed to have that effect,
0: right? Right. So with a long yeah. sword, okay. its base strength is 7, but mm-hmm. if you're using it with two hands, it's 8.
1: Okay. Um, well, I'll grab the longsword, which means I have slashing. And then it said in my equipment that my uh, shield was a medium shield. So, mm-hmm. uh, looking at the shield section, uh, that, that doesn't give me a size category. So, I assume that more or less, I mean, it's like a round a shield would shield. be yeah. tiny it's- and a tower shield would be large. But so I'm going to grab a kite. Okay. Because uh, that one gives me boss and. Uh, in arms. And if I have in arms, that means I can take sword and board, which is classic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so long sword and shield. There you go. Um, and then I will grab the Bravo Faint, which is the only slashing uh one that I'm seeing offhand for an additional um vitality for melee attack against the adjusted opponent kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then um what would you what what's a what's a good one that you think would be a a good filler for a third one? Um, should I aim uh, more defensive or just keep going for something?
0: I'll I'll say this, and this is hmm. this so and this kind of let me explain a little bit about how uh, combat works. So combat a uh, combat round is six seconds, mm-hmm. in and in a six second round, you have three actions. Uh, you can, you know, you can move, you can attack twice. There's a lot of different things you can do. and We'll talk about that in a minute. One of the good techniques, I think, for a sword and board person is uh, defensive expert. When you use a defensive technique and are carrying a shield, you count as having taken a free raise the shield action until your next turn. Okay. So raising a shield takes one action. Mm-hmm. If you take defensive expert, you, you, you basically get to raise it for free. Uh, as long as you're, as long as you're defending against an attack. So, I mean, that it's a, it's action economies is not bad. Um, Um,
5: if you want to, if you want to protect somebody
0: else, defender is pretty good. Um, you spend one vitality and take a move. If you end that move adjacent to a party member, they recover one vitality and may take a free step. So like, if you wanted to move Mm -hmm. next to Steven before he got bashed in, uh, he'd get a point of vitality back and then he'd be able to take a free five foot step without uh without getting attacked. So that's That'd nice. Be good.
1: All right. Uh and that's sorry, defensive. Uh
0: that was Defender.
1: Defender. Uh, okay, mm-hmm. okay. Well, that's okay. So that's sword and board. Um, oh, so
0: I, I, I apologize. I am looking at the wrong table. You, you
1: I was wondering. I might, okay.
0: Um i, I, was I understand. the talents. talents are things you can buy later down the road. Uh, yeah i'm still techniques. i'm on page 41 yeah, techniques uh, let's see
5: here
1: <laughs> i'm thinking i'm thinking that i do agree that having something with a little bit more defensive might be good but shielding barge uh, shield, I believe uh, the, shield
0: barge is pretty good shield
1: yeah. barge because the kite shield gives me uh, see this is why it took me a little bit long i had to jump between a bunch of tables uh to look at the stats for the equipment i believe the kite gives me boss as well um buh, 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 buh. but yes okay so those are the three that I would be uh, looking at then is the Sword and Board, Bravo faint, and the um, Shield Barge.
0: I like it. I like it. All right. Uh, now that I'm on the right table, um, and by the way, what I was t- talking about just a moment ago when I was... Completely mm-hmm. screwing up Pete's wonderful game. <laughs> I'm is, <gonna> let you. <laughs> there's another. There's talents, and like I said, when we were talking about deeds, if, when you complete certain deeds, you earn. You can earn specific talents. So that way, like let's say you wanted to get that defender talent, I'm you would look sure. up into the oath sworn, uh or possibly one of the other uh archetypes as well, and go, okay, well to get that, I have to do these four things, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and then you would you could build towards that. You could try to maneuver your character into situations where that's going to happen for them. So um, now that I'm back on track, that was absolutely not a complete error on my part. That was, I was just leading us into a learning that's moment. information. It's not, I, I totally screwed up. But okay. uh, <laughs> let's talk about what our Delver picked.
3: Okay, gosh, Aaron, this was such a difficult decision. This was, okay. So really this is between brain and heart. Okay, because uh, I because I want to play a ranged character, and so my brain is telling me to take the monocular analyzer, and a little bit of my heart too, because I get to wear a monocle and that's kind of fun. Uh, but that one, the one of the main benefits of that, or the uh, the active of that, is that I can make a ranged attack, which I plan to shoot crossbows and things, and I and you can reduce the target's evasion score by four, and that sounds really good. And, you know, that sounds like the right play. And then I read provisional bilocator, where I can beat basically be Arnold Schwarzenegger from Total Recall and be in two places at once, and I can't not do that. So I'm going with my heart, and I'm doing provisional bilocator because I can um, I can spend two vitality. This is the active until the beginning of my next turn. I am present in two locations. The other being a location I select within sight and within basically sixty feet. Either version of 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 me. Can use actions; they don't double, but I can use actions either way and be attacked. Once the effect ends, though, I get to select one of the two locations to persist from, so I can literally just be in two places at I once. That's awesome! I
0: love that. And like, it's
3: hard not to do that. It's just—I don't know if it's going to work. It'll probably get me killed because I can be attacked in both places, so it'll probably backfire and I'll probably get killed. But that's okay. I get to do total recall. It can be so, <laughs> so much fun. You think so- this is the real Quade? <laughs> it is. <laughs> And I hit him with a crossbow. It'd be great.
0: <laughs> love it.
3: I love that movie so much. It's
0: ridiculous. Uh, it is okay. so much fun. Okay. Uh, Melissa. Adaptations. What What did you take?
4: So I did go ahead and take scale. Mm-hmm. What uh, Because I like the sound of that. Um, and I think I, I might change my mind before next week, but I think I might go cloud. Okay. So, like, I'm envisioning that I sort of, like, have these scales that actually, like, have, like, the spores inside. So, like, if I want to, like, drop them down, then I get to do, like, the slither toughness stuff. Mm-hmm. But if I pop them open, then it, like, releases the spore cloud. So, oh, I, like I might it. change my mind like on the it. second one. Because um, I know sometimes the whole cloud thing is, like, oh, great, now none of us can see <laughs> if it's poorly timed. But I think it would be tough.
0: That's fun. I love that. Um, Now now that you guys have picked your ancestries, um, did that inform in any way on what you... I mean, picked your archetypes. Did that inform in any way on what you want your ancestries to be? Steven?
2: Uh, No, I just chose the one I wanted to be. Uh, I am going to be a dwarf. Uh, I I was born among the clouds, uh, but, you know, I'm a creature of the earth.
0: I love it. I love it. And Kipser, did you have you decided what your ancestry is going to be?
2: I
1: did before I did anything else, so I wasn't informed. I was, uh, I was funny. always going to take the uh, the uh,
0: the giants, the Jotun. Oh, I love it! I love it. Uh, so we've got a, a dwarf and a Jotun now, I, Jotun. and and many or Jotun. I, I, to be honest with you, I think it's Jotun, but I, I could be, and probably am. It's not a language I speak. Me either. So, uh, we got a dwarf a Jotun. I think that's, uh, that's perfect. Uh, Jeff? Dark Delver?
3: I am gonna go with Gnome. I'm gonna be a Gnome rogue, and I'm gonna be following after Steven's character, because he's a dwarf. Be like, hey, 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 do you know where any dwarven cities are? Like, hey.
6: Like, hey, hey, excuse me, <laughs> pardon me. Where are your lost cities? Where are they? Are they over here? They're there? Okay.
2: So, I don't oh know. I was God. born on an airship. <laughs> <laughs> That's
6: it, how you probably know something. It's like a night or something.
0: Ah. Oh, God, I can't <laughs> wait. I cannot wait. Uh, and Melissa, did you pick an ancestry?
4: Uh, yeah, I am going to go Saurian. That
0: yeah, makes a lot of sense. So uh, a dwarf, a gnome, a Jotun, and a Saurian walk into a tavern. Uh, very soon. But before we get there, let's talk a little bit more about uh, some of the other mechanics and and get some gear for you guys. So I've been talking a lot about the skills, but I never really laid them out completely. So I'm going to do that right now. So under Guile, there are three skills. Observe, and that's how you examine your surroundings and investigate things. It's also how you fire most of your ranged weapons. You know, you see inside on, fire your bow. Uh, That is Observe. Um, shadow we have talked about that's hiding and sneaking and following people and picking pockets and that kind of things and street, which we did s- discuss briefly, that's surviving in an urban environment. Um, the vigor skills are might, and this is all your athletics, you're climbing, you're running, you're swimming. It's also using larger weapons, like two handed swords, etc. It's also used in like hardship roles while you're journeying, um, Ride is the second vigor skill, which is sort of self-explanatory. It's riding some sort of animal. It could be a silver dragon. It could be a large dog. Whatever it is, you're going to use the ride skill. And then survival, that's living in the wilderness. Your occult skills are arcane. That is understanding and reading runes, interpreting spells, etc. Deceive, as we kind of talked about. That's uh, manipulating people, intimidating people, lying to people. Weird is your gut feelings about the weird and paranormal, uh, your ability to tune into the raw power of the world around you. Your psyche skills are composure, and that's keeping yourself together, keeping keeping control of your body and your mind, uh, You know, resisting uh, mental attacks, overcoming fear. Insight is knowing when somebody's lying to you or getting a feel for people perform is what you would expect it to be it's singing and dancing playing musical instruments making speeches you know if, if you were trying to well a, a crowd of rabble rousers I would probably ask you to make a perform check and then have them kill Stephen um your next are education skills uh, those are lore and that's basically what it sounds like understanding politics society culture information it's 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 book learning medicine. Healing people, Uh, it's the knowledge of plants and creatures and herbalism. Um, If you've got uh, medical kits, it helps you heal people when they've been injured. And we'll get into the specifics of how that works in a bit. Tactics is understanding battle, your ability to apply logic to problems, your skills with puzzles. Um, It's useful for navigating around uh, in phases of your journey phase. Um, Then we've got... Uh, training skills, craft, that is uh, building things, repairing things, uh, possibly uh, tearing things down in a way that doesn't destroy them. Prowess prowess is your ability, uh, is your martial aptitude. It's the skill that's used for most melee weapons. Uh, and then operate, this is your skill for machinery and advanced weaponry such as firearms and siege weapons. It also covers disabling technical devices like clockwork, gear traps, etc. So those are your skills, and that's how they follow in. And again, as a reminder, you roll the number of dice equal to your attribute, and your skills reduces the difficulty number you need to succeed with that. So now that we've got our archetypes, we've got our legends basically filled out, we are going to go into a little bit of trapping and gear so we can outfit this party of rascals and rapscallions. So everybody has a certain amount of silver. Um, and if you look down on page roughly 43, you can see armors and shields and consumables and equipment and kits and weapons, etc. So... Why don't you guys spend a few minutes going through that, kitting yourself out, and I'm going to talk a little bit about combat and damage. I've already covered some of this uh, throughout our discussions, but I'm going I'm to go step by step to give some people, some uh, everybody at home, an idea. So first, initiative and surprise. Every combat round is about six seconds. Within that round, every character uh, gets to take a turn. Every opponent gets to take a turn. Uh, The round order alternates between heroes and opponents based on who won the initiative. So one combatant on each side either rolls observe or tactics as an opposed roll, and the side that gets the most successes goes first. Now, if one side has an advantage over the other in terms of surprise, then they get to add two dice to their roll. In other words, if you set up an ambush to uh, ambush a group of slavers coming down the road, when you roll initiative, you get two bonus dice to uh, to beat their initiative. Um, whoever wins the initiative, that side gets to go first. Then a combatant from the other side goes until everybody is gone. Uh, now, let's say I've only got two enemies and there are four of you. You go, they go, you go, they go, and then the rest of you go. They don't get additional turns. Each combat uh, turn is broken down into three actions and a reaction. Um, And I'm going to go over the actions uh, and what they cost. So you can aim, it costs one action, and you gain a die on a ranged attack if your next action is an attack. It does provoke an attack of opportunity if the guy has a reaction, if you're within melee distance of the individual. You can attack. It takes one action. You make a melee or ranged attack. Uh, It does not provoke an attack of opportunity. There is the attack of opportunity, which is a reaction. You get one reaction per round. And that's if uh, somebody meets one of the provoke conditions uh, of the action. You can cast a spell. As we said, it's variable number of actions up to three um, if you're within melee range of somebody, it would provoke an attack of opportunity. You can drop something that's in your hand. It doesn't cost any action. You can equip something, uh, take an item out, prepare it for use, or stow it away safely. It costs one action. You can hold your action, and that takes two actions to hold your actions. It's basically, saying, when this condition happens, I'm going to do something with my last action. It's a pretty similar mechanic to a lot of uh, other games. Uh, you can move up to your speed for one action. You can raise a shield, which takes one action, uh, and that is the only way you get to add the protection value of your shield uh, to defend yourself. So if you don't take an action to raise your shield, it does not offer you any protection. You can step, so you can move up to five feet without provoking an attack of opportunity. You can take cover behind cover if it's available uh, until the beginning of your next turn. At that point, ranged attacks against you have an increased difficulty of one. Or you can use an item, you know, a a device or a tool that's not a weapon, and that costs one action. So it's a three-action economy. Uh, uh, One thing is you can attack multiple times. And this is where I I, uh, started out in the beginning. uh, The number uh, of successes you have to get or the difficulty number increases. So on your first attack, it takes one success to successfully hit. Whether or not you do damage is determined by the damage roll, but one difficulty to succeed. If you want to make two attacks in a turn, your second attack takes three successes to hit. So it uh, it scales uh, pretty heavily. If you want to make three attacks in a turn, it would take five successes to get that third attack off. So, I mean, you need to be good. I mean, it's possible you can do it. Uh, we have talked about damage, so it's it's the strength rating of whatever you're using, plus any bonus successes you get, minus the protection value of who you're hitting. That's the number of dice you roll against their defense value. And that defense is like, if it's, if it's ranged, it would be evasion. So if, if Jeff's character is firing a crossbow, and he rolls, he, he's got a certain strength of that crossbow, he got two extra successes, he ups his dice by two, uh, the guy's got leather armor. So you take one die away. You got that total number. You roll that against his evasion defense. For every dice that it's above, equal to or above his evasion defense, he takes a point of damage first off of his vitality. And then when he has zero vitality, then off of his wounds. How many has zero wounds? He dies. There's some other mechanics uh, regarding like uh, forced movement and colliding with things, falling damage. Different lighting conditions. We'll get into that as we as we play the game as it comes up. Um, there are also uh, one of the important bits for for players is how do you recover vitality? Um, so I've already told you you can you lose vitality either through taking damage or fusing some of your talents. For every thirty minutes that you rest, you recover one point of vitality. Which means generally for a full night's sleep, you're going to get all of your vitality back. Uh, recovering wounds, this is a little more difficult, a character with medical tools that performs a successful medicine check on an injured character, heals them for one wound Uh, there are some consumables in the game that can heal you for a wound Uh, there may be some magic in the game that can heal you for a wound but um, that's it, or you can rest for 8 hours and get one wound back so healing up in this game is uh, it's 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 not like I, I take a nap and I've got a hundred hit points back. It's uh, you've got to track that stuff because it can it can bite you. There are various and sundry conditions that can be applied to a character in combat. Um, the two I want to talk about are the two that happen when you get your vitality reduced to zero. Um, if that happens, you could either be stunned or weakened. A stunned creature has its guile and evasion reduced by two until the condition wears off. Um, and Or if you're weakened, the character reduces its vigor and toughness by two until the condition wears off. And that's a player's choice. You get to decide. If you get on to zero vitality, you can determine whether you're stunned or weakened. So obviously, you want to play towards your strength. If you're a ranged character, you're probably going to be weakened. If you're a melee character, you're probably going to be stunned. Questions. All right, did you guys right, no.
5: pick,
2: did you pick some gear? I did. I spent every silver I have.
0: What did you spend it on, Stephen?
2: Uh, so first things first, this is a, a fantasy game, so I had to get the 10-foot pole. Uh, immediate investment right there. I'm going to carry that around, and I'm going to pretend that it's one foot until I need it. Um, we'll see how I... that I... <laughs> I have a dagger, which uses prowess, which I'm not that good at. So I grabbed a throwing dart just as a backup uh, because that uses might, which I'm not much better at, but I figured why not? Um, And then I grabbed a rope because, again, fantasy. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I spent the rest of my money on tinctures, which allow me to uh, drink them for two vitality. And a lot of my spells require vitality. So I'm thinking that I'll be able to heal myself as I'm casting spells.
0: That makes sense. That makes sense. Kipser, how about you?
1: I rolled a two on my silver, so I had a total (laughs) of
0: eight.
5: Um,
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, But essentially from my character sheet, I got the Explorer's Kit, which is a backpack, rations, tent, three torches, and water skin. Um, I've got the Chain Hauberk. A uh, uh, kit sh- or kite shield, traveling cloak, long sword. So that's all my standard gear. Uh, and then I picked up a throwing knife because I just wanted something ranged. It uses might that I'm not too bad with. And I, I grabbed a rope because fantasy. And I'm keeping three silver because
0: money can be important. Money can be important. Yeah. How about you, Jeff?
3: Well, I I had uh purchased a rope, but now I don't know if I want to because the two <laughs> of them of purchased rope. ropes. And You're I know that we can do the classic. Let's tie them together.
6: No, no, I don't. I can just climb rope,
3: and then I could just do my thing where I like tell her, "I like, I'm going to go up there," and then boom, I'm there. Um, <laughs> okay, so I got, uh, I have more bolts, so I got a little bit more bolts uh, for my crossbow, even though I I have some to begin with. I got a little bit more. I also got a tincture, a tincture only one. Uh, I got a couple torches. Um, I got some rope, and. I don't know what's wrong with these people. I got some rations. What are you? What are you just gonna, You're not going to eat? No, you're not eating my food. If you wanted fries, you should have ordered your own. Okay. So no, no one's. No one's.
2: I was. Alive.
1: Did you miss I was when I said rations? Aaron just <laughs> I was more
2: talking to Steven. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> I was thinking on Aaron, just not making us track that.
0: I can see your might roll every hour as you're, as you're trying to suffer through while Jeff's gnome is I've eating. I've
6: got two survival. I'll find some
2: It'll berries. Be and you'll be you'll
0: eating
6: like, Oh, mm, ah, grain bar. This tastes so good. Mm, you share raspberry. those rations. I'll tell you
2: where the dwarven cities are. <laughs> <laughs>
0: really? You <laughs> would so do some it. deception versus insight here. Um, yeah.
3: I was thinking right. actually, if if there's a lot of rope, I think I might not get rope, and then I will spend money to get an herbal salve because we don't have a healer. Uh, and so maybe I was going to get
4: the herbal salve. We, I think I, we
3: might want more than one.
4: Oh yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I, I picked up it. medicine for can, one yeah. of the options that I had, so oh, I've got nice. one in medicine. So, and an
0: I herbal mean, salve. It is going to be a short run. We're only going to play, you know, a couple of sessions. However, I'm a violent, violent and cruel GM. So, I mean, murdering you is probably pretty high on my list of things to do. So it'd be good to have somebody who could get a little bit. That was my inside voice. I didn't mean for it to come out like that. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Aaron, you were going to behind it. Steve.
3: I don't know if you. That's all I'm going to do.
5: Yeah, That'll draw a lot
1: of fire. Take a breath and just heal myself. I don't, I don't need to worry about other people, right?
5: Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so Melissa, what did you end up getting other than the healing tincture?
4: uh, so a sling bag because things need to go in something and it just seemed funny to imagine a like lizard folk with one of those like crossbody sling bags because that's <laughs> the style of it in my head uh torches cause torches mm-hmm, like do we have a torch? Yes, we do uh so three torches um. And a tincture and an herbal salve. Which, if I keep all of those things, I will have spent all of my silver. So we're relying on other people to have silver to buy things if we ever need to buy anything.
0: Who knows? Maybe
1: you guys. Am well, I the only one that kept silver?
0: And uh, and you know, we'll see. We'll see. Okay, I think um, for you all to have maybe. the
2: ration, ration, silver and uh, torches. I, I figured I don't need to waste my. I money got
1: the those. least amount of money. I just kept a little bit of it, and that's it. That's all the whole. <laughs>
4: That's so I mean, funny, you got eight, and you saved some somehow, yes. and I got 18 and yeah. spent every last. I
6: Like, we could afford Everything. anything. I'll just steal Everything. some. I'll just steal That's some from people.
3: I, I'm, I'm going to steal it from from Kipser. There's no way that her giant Jotan can see me.
1: <laughs> well, we're, yeah, we're, but you can't <laughs> reach up to my silver pouch, so. I have
3: my thing. I'm
0: like, oh, I'm here, and I'm also up there. There <laughs> <Yeah>. we go. <laughs> I, love off, off. I love it. I love it. Uh, we, we are here to test the game, so if you want to do some thievery, I'm quite happy to see how that works. Um, so, we have, our, we have our four characters. We don't have names for them yet, but we have a general idea of who they are. Next week, uh, all of our players will go through their legend and they will fill in the gaps for us and they will tell us who these people are. But before that happens, we're going to kind of set the scene uh, for our adventure. This is going to be... We're paying homage to uh, an old classic Dungeons & Dragons uh, module, the Village of Hamlet. It was the second, when it came out brand new, it was the second uh, adventure I ever played in. Uh, the first being the Judges Guild Dark Tower. Um, so... This is not going to be a recreation of the village of Hamlet. We're just using it as a setting. I'm going to use some of the information front up. We're going to play with it a little bit. Uh, but but just, I felt like uh, revisiting an old friend. So we start out. It's been raining for days. A bedraggled troop of four adventurers The remains of a mercenary company that had been hired and were fighting in the bandit kingdoms, fighting, unfortunately, for the losing side. As it was clear, they had no chance that they were not going to get paid for the work they had already done. Mercenary captain, leaders, and sergeants were dead. Four of the band withdrew from the battlefield. As the fires raged, as the screams of the dying surrounded them, they made their way on their exhausted mounts towards refuge. A day from the vi- day from the battle, the last of their mounts finally perished from wounds it had taken, and our adventurers were on feet, on their own feet, exhausted, road weary. They found a road. And better yet, a signpost pointing towards a village, the village of Homlet. They'd heard of it. It's a large village, almost a town, boasting robust trade, inns, large church. There are other rumors about it. Something tickling in the back of your mind. Why doesn't somebody give me a lore roll? I'm good at Lowe's. So it's your educ well, So what is your what is your education score?
2: My education is five and my okay. lore is one. So I believe I'm looking for an eleven.
0: So you're looking for a 10. So the base difficulty 10. is eleven. If you got oh, one yeah. in education okay. that reduces it down to a 10. So you're looking for and then tell me the number of successes you get if you get any. Um uh, Remember, if, hero die. if your hero die matches another die, that counts as a success. Now, if your hero die succeeds and matches another die, that counts as two successes. So,
2: My hero die is the only one to succeed, and nothing matches.
0: Okay, so you got one success. So you recall uh, that the village of Hamlet was, decades ago, was infamous for a, uh, a mad... Uh, Sorceress priest who built a temple to a defiled deity somewhere near the village of Hamlet. And it was from the village of Hamlet that adventurers uh, trekked out and found this temple and raised it. Though no one The legend itself doesn't say much about what happened to those adventurers or the temple. It's just everybody agrees that they they raised the temple, but not much else about it. But that's all you recall.
2: I only remember a wee bit about this temple. I haven't got any idea what happened to the adventurers that went there, but I do not believe it was good.
5: I mean,
6: um, what do you mean it wasn't good? Like, they didn't get um, proper pay or they got, like, smushed into smithereens? Because uh, there's a spectrum of not good.
2: If I was a gambling dwarf, I would I would bet on the smush.
1: Uh, uh, I don't think I can smush easily.
2: You uh, would be surprised how easily you could smush. I
1: can smush, yes, as an action, quite easily.
6: Are oh, you mean you can't be smushed easily? Um, yes, stood. yes. I see. Um. Okay. Well, I guess. Um. But that was like a while ago. I'm sure it's better now, right? Like they probably, you know, learned from past mistakes and and made some new municipal laws to be more welcoming to adventurer sorts. Yeah.
5: You're off yeah. your hide,
6: man. I'm off my hide? No, it's, I'm wearing it around. It's right here. It's it's underneath. It, it, I don't want to be stabbed, so it's going gonna, it's gonna to hit right there. Either head. way, I want somewhere to sleep that's nice tonight.
0: And so the party continues on foot. The rain continues to pound down on your shoulders unabated as you're walking along this muddy track leading towards the village of Hamlet. You walk through the late afternoon and into the early evening, uh, and you finally come upon the outskirts of Hamlet. Uh, the streets are... are, are fairly, The main street is fairly wide and cobblestone. There are uh, lanterns and torches lit. There are people walking th- uh, around the street. It looks... At least this part of, of, of the village seems fairly safe and fairly successful Uh, lamplighters are going about Uh, you can hear songs and sounds coming out uh, blaring out from inns and taverns up and down the street what would you like to do?
4: Clearly we must
0: make our rounds
4: and gather information first before we just lay our head down without knowing what lies here
1: that's a good idea. You uh, can keep going, and I'm just going to look in that tavern over there. I'll help you.
4: <laughs> you're going to help me do my circle around, or are you going to help? No,
6: no, that I'm going with, with the, the unsmushable big one. So that's uh, probably wise. Yeah, you're oh. weird. No offense.
1: Uh. You can take the other one who talks a lot. Probably a good idea.
2: I would rather not.
6: Could I just come with you? Okay. Well, I can talk about all your heritage and your where you came from and your peoples. Oh, I'm so excited to learn more.
5: All right, I'm we can talk.
6: I'm Fine. up this here.
4: Will, I will do a better job on my own.
2: Enjoy your drink.
6: Bye. Have any of you ever
2: noticed that the taller you get, the slower you speak?
5: What
1: are you talking about? No, I, don't talk very I fast. speak normally.
6: Hmm. So our front. Yeah, I, I was just going to say maybe it just takes longer for the for the the noise to get all the way down to the rest of us, and she's actually talking, you know, all speed. Could you Is say this... something on a knee? Oh,
2: on a, a knee? Yeah,
6: yeah. You yeah, take a knee. Calm down here.
1: Uh, You know what? Uh, Melissa's unnamed character, I think I might want to go with you now instead.
4: Huh. <laughs> no, okay. it's fine. You've made your intention known that you would prefer to go and drink. I can do this on my own.
1: <laughs> okay, I will babysit then we will be here when you are ready
0: so uh is it frosty or frosty or
1: Uh, uh, frosty the the not
0: snowman okay frosty as you approach you could see that the inn was is clearly not originally designed for jotun um you know you're about eight feet tall so you're gonna have to cramp down as you approach, you see that it's a there's a it's a large walled building uh, with a square wooden sign showing a buxom young smiling woman holding a flagon of beer, and the name is the Welcome Winch. Yes, it is a 1970s uh, module. But um, as you go in, uh, you see most of the tables are filled. You see a smattering of of different ancestries. You see. Elves and humans and a few orcs. You are the only jotun in the inn, though. Um, And the innkeeper looks up to you. He's got. He looks at you really sharp. He's like, "I uh, welcome. Thank you. Be careful. I don't think that any of my furniture is built to jotun standards. Um, Your
1: lighting is very close to my face.
0: Yes. Um." So is my ceiling? Um, true uh, I over by the hearth, there's a fairly large area. Uh, if if you'd like to sit there, i can I can come and and take your order and uh, your 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 tiny friends as well. Uh, I mean, yes, tiny relative to you. Uh, I yes, please have a seat. I will sit over there then. And he comes around. He's a uh, portly uh, man and is probably late middle age. He's balding. He's got kind of two or three chins. He's smiling uh, openly uh, and, and chuckling as to people as he walks over towards you, but kind of see that the smile never quite reaches his eyes and his eyes are always moving. He is always keeping an eye on what's going on in, in his small kingdom. So then, what can I get you?:
1: Uh, hopefully, dinner and a bed for the evening. Uh, uh, those two are
0: not on my tab. Uh I have to tell you, to be honest, I can make room for you in the stable. I'm sorry, we don't have any rooms available that uh, will accommodate your size. Uh, I, would... I normally have one room, but it's it's there's a, a merchant captain, and he has already secured
1: it
6: for the week.
1: Unfortunate, uh, though, uh, maybe someone would like to visit a merchant captain. I will take the outside then. I don't mind.
0: Well, I I'll tell you this then: um, uh, the meal and uh, the outdoors, and then then your it's it's just it'll be one silver. For the night, for that, and, and your meal tonight and your breakfast in the morning.
1: Excellent. Here is one silver for
2: myself.
0: Excellent. And you fine gentlemen, Master Dwarf, Master Gnome. Do you Maggit- have any haggis? Uh, oh, and we're on her tab. They are not. Uh, she's indicated that uh, you were not on her tab. Uh, we do not have any haggis. Uh, I've got uh, over, I've got a, a boar on the spit, um, and we've got some stew as well. Bread trenchers with sausage.
2: Aye, I'll take the stew and sausage.
0: All right. And you, Master Gnome.
6: Ow, um, call me um Francois Gerard Depardieu. It's a pleasure to meet you. And that's that whole that whole thing. Uh, with her not... pay That's just a joke we play, but that's fine. It's not. Mm. Oh, see, she's just a jokester. Just jokey, jokey, jokey. We Honestly, we couldn't get her to shut up when we were wandering up here. But I'll have what he's having.
0: Right. All right, gentlemen. Uh, that's three copper pieces each.
6: Okay. That's for me. Okay. There you go.
5: All right.
0: He looks to uh, Black Billy Lotus, the dwarf, uh, master dwarf. Oh, you you want me to pay now? I do. Yes.
6: Oh no! Oh, oh, you,
2: I Normally, you pay it. at the end okay. of the meal.
3: I will slide over my last silver.
6: Here you go. Okay, it's fine. It's for both of us.
0: Okay, so he gives you change. Uh, let's see. That would be four coppers back to you. Okay. I'll I'll bring your meals. Oh, uh, right away. Please, uh, relax. Where where are you headed from? here? look, that be dragon. Looks like you've been out in the rain for days.
6: Yes. Well said.
0: All right then. Okay, I'll get back to you. Like she never shuts up. <laughs> I
6: know. Just jab her mouth.
0: I've had to deal with this for days. Oh, as you're, goodness. you're talking to his back as he walks away. Oh, uh, well, that's right. And nice. we 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 shift our focus to Denza, our uh our Sorian. What is Denza up to?
4: Uh so she's just sort of wandering the perimeter, just sort of seeing what folks are up to, if there's anyone that seems to look a bit sketchy.
0: Okay. Let's let's get a let's get a roll. Let's get an observe roll that's based off your guile.
4: Okay, so walking me through this again. So I have three guile and zero observe.
0: So you get to roll three dice, and you need an eleven or a twelve to succeed.
4: Yeah, that is a a f- uh, uh,
0: seven, a ten, and a four. Okay, so you didn't succeed, um, but you're only one success away from succeeding. So if you wanted, you could spend a point of vitality to make that a success. You don't have to. I'm just saying you could.
4: And, sorry, vitality, how many? Okay, I have nine vitality?
0: Mm -hmm. Sounds about right. Sweet.
4: Sweet. Um, well, we're testing things out. So, of course, I will spend a vitality.
0: Okay. So, um you see, in the area of the town you're in, uh, this main thoroughfare is actually quite nice. There's some guild halls. Uh, there's a lot of very nice traders. Um, you see down some of the alleys, you can see some sketchier people. Uh, one of the things that is prominent um, is you're running, you, you're going across, you're across the street from a guild hall, and you see a crier out there. And uh, he's he's speaking of the news of the day, the news of Hamlet, and he's announcing uh, work opportunities. And one of the things that he mentions is um, that the traders, uh, Ravnos and Duval and Grey Mag are looking uh, for uh, adventurers to undertake a simple task on their behalf to retrieve something that has been stolen from
4: uh And she will approach the crier. Uh, where, where might we find... Ravnos De- deval and
0: oh um oh that's easy that's easy uh, you go down this street and you look for a wooden building with shutters and several windows and uh, outside the door there's a shield and a lantern suspended from chains uh, and the shield is painted to show a sword and a cheese uh, this is uh, they're, they're merchants uh, very successful merchants they they in fact they just posted this. Uh, this evening. Apparently they're looking for someone to help them out rather quickly. Um, so this, that's- I'm um,
4: sorry, the the, the cheese mongers are looking no, for no, no. adventurers? They
0: are, they're merchants. Uh, part of what they sell is is, is they, they frequently outfit adventurers uh, and mercenary bands. So they sell rations and equipment and weapons and the like. That's why the shield and the sword and the cheese it's they cover it all
4: I see that makes uh much more sense. so you say this was just posted yes there yes they uh, appear to be takers yet
0: well I mean it, they literally within the last hour I was requested to 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 include this and it'll go out in the in, in the handbills tomorrow as well some we matter of some urgency
4: save them the printing and i can just go there now and tell oh. them that we would be interested
0: i am i'm sure they would love to hear that
4: and she'll repeat the directions back mm-hmm. and then start yep. Yep. Yes, yep. Walking, yep. There, there. get left halfway left. away turn back around thank you
0: uh Absolutely. And and make sure to tell them that Wilbert was the one that sent you. I I, I get a little commission off of that. Wilbert with a W Not Wilbert. He's my cousin and a complete bastard. Wilbert.
4: Uh Wil
0: Wilbert, yes. Bert with a with a T Wilbert.
4: Is Wilbur another cousin of yours?
0: I, I don't know any Wilbur, but, I mean, it's a fairly large village. But if you say the town crier Wilbert, not a Vilbert, uh, they will know. Who
4: I will make sure they know that your cousin is ill-named.
0: Uh, Thank you. N- yes, yes. And uh, you can't miss them. Oh. Um, uh, Ranvus is, is an elf, very tall, um, and uh, Grémag is an orc. And she is, well, she's an orc. You, you can't miss them. Lovely people.
4: Thank you. Excellent. So head off in the direction that he mentioned. Right.
0: And so we see uh, Dinzo winding her way through town. We flash back into the inn. Uh, and as the meal is being set before you,
1: what what is what is the meal?
0: Uh, I think you guys ordered trenchers and sausage, right? Um, ah, and he brought uh, he brought for you part of the the roast and some uh, fried peppers and mushrooms. Lovely.
2: Thank you. Will there be? You didn't say else? Boars was on a
0: spit. Uh, there is a boar on the spit, not Boars on the spit. Afraid of mushrooms? No one. No
2: one
6: at all. Heard
2: it. I don't get it. I
0: got it.
6: I'm, I'm, oh. I'm confused.
3: So I'm just gonna eat my sausage like it's corn on the cob.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, so is there anything else while in the end that you would like to do other than eat and warm yourself by the fire?
3: Suspicious characters. Are there any around? Are we 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 being um, observed? Is our presence uh, been felt? Is give, anyone that, me, yeah.
0: give me an insight check.
3: Okay. Totally. Totally not what I'm good at. Uh, yeah. I probably shouldn't ask that question. Okay. Uh... Okay. All right, uh, that is a that is a fail, abject failure, uh, nothing.
0: Okay, so uh, I mean, you're noticed. Every everybody is focused in, or eyes are darting over to the Jotun because they're not that common in this area. Uh, but you don't see anybody that is pretend uh, that you feel it has any kind of malicious intent towards you. It's more just like open curiosity, as far as you can tell.
3: So he'll just blurt out like,
6: I thought you said this was a bad place for adventurers. Everyone seems very nice so far. That's true, Billy. What? Are you Billy now as well? Oh no, my name's Sonny. Sonny kaboom. <laughs> uh my name's Billy. <laughs> okay.
2: Did you forget who you were talking to? No. But
1: well, You were looking believe... at him. No, I oh, I understand that looking down makes it hard to tell who I'm looking at because you're very down there. But I actually meant Billy, who told us the lore of the town. No, oh, that was me. Yes. Your names? Okay. I thought
2: I just told you that some adventurers got lost. But you said they
6: got
1: smooshed. There was squishing and I said I would
2: bet on them being smushed, yes. Ah, okay. okay.
6: Well, hi. uh, hi, hi, Tavern Keeper? Uh,
0: yes, Master Nell. No.
6: We're just passing through, um, but, uh, is there any, um, job board or, um, or, or something of that? Uh, we, uh, we, we could, uh, mate, we have a very, uh, interesting array of skills, that we could perhaps put to use, uh, if there's anything, maybe yourself or anyone else in the village. It's a very fine village. It's absolutely not built atop a history of smushing adventurers.
0: Yes, no, no, definitely. It's 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 not. No, it's, it's, not. A, it's, a, it's a village built on the reputation of of embracing adventurers and sending them off to other places to be smushed. No, oh, that's that makes perfect sense no smushing here actually um what yes i mean there's a the town crier's post um and and speak of jobs and and other town events uh there's a handbill that's put out a few times a week and then s- specific guild halls and and the church occasionally have odd jobs but uh uh the militia occasionally have work to be done but typically um the town crier is a good place to start. They can usually point you in the right direction.
6: Oh, wonderful. Because he's really smart. I can fix stuff and she can
0: carry things. Hmm.
6: I mean, if you're looking hmm. for just
0: manual labor, there's always work to be done. I mean, if you're looking for jobs, you just struck me as the sort that might be looking for uh, more flexible work schedules. i will definitely like to work from home if that's uh, an option. Remote work would be wonderful. I, not knowing where your home is, Master Gnome, I can only guess that... that's uh, fair. I I wish you the best in that endeavor. I'll see, I'll see.
6: Well, that's not untrue. We do have um, certain interests uh, outside of, you know, daily sustainable wages. Um, You wouldn't happen to know of any more lucrative opportunities.
0: Uh, but like I said, the, the I don't personally. I uh I normally just send people off to the town crier. Um okay. the last handbill came out a few days ago, so one should be coming out in a day or so. And then you could check with the various guild halls. that are often Excellent. posting for work. Ah, oh, wonderful. You've been very, very helpful. Thank you so much. Uh, you're welcome. Enjoy your meal and you know, if you need anything else, flag me down. Well too. Do. And then we I slide suppose out. We're off
6: for work.
2: Yeah. And I get up and I head out of the tavern and my 10-foot pole hits on the doorframe uh, <laughs> as I'm going out. You see the, the innkeeper's like, oh,
0: adventurous.
2: <laughs> There's notches from where every other adventurer with a 10-foot pole hits there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, so as you're leaving the tavern, we, 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 we find Denza looking up at the sign. Uh, uh, outside the door with the shield and the lantern suspended under it. Uh, and the lights are still on in the building. It's it's early evening. It's it's a little past supper time at this point, but uh, they, they still seem to be open.
4: Uh, just loud thump at the door.
0: And you just hear thump, thump, thump. A, a deep gravelly female voice. Come in! It's open!
4: And so she just kind of pushes the door open.
0: And as you walk in, you see, I mean, this is a a trader's establishment. You see sections with weapons and you see armor and you see postings for where the blacksmith shop is and how to coordinate with the uh, blacksmith to get some of your weapons and gear tailored to you. All sorts of adventuring gears laid out. And behind the counter, you see a, a, a female orc in her middle age. She's got long braided hair pulled back. Um, kind of a pinkish color eyes. One of her tusks is broken off a little bit and she smiles at you and she waves you towards the counter.
4: Uh, yes, hi. I am here because Wilbert, the town crier, mm. I've been instructed to inform you it was Wilbert, not Vilbert, but Wilbert.
0: Got it. Wil- Wilbert, yes, I I know him. That is because it's a retro reprobate.
4: Yes. He informed me that you have an employment opportunity.
0: Hmm. Well, we do. Um, And to be honest, it's probably more than a single mercenary can handle, but... um, I am not alone. Ah, you represent a group. Wonderful.
4: Um, yes, the, the rest of my party thought it more important to go uh, whet their proverbial whistle before taking stock of our new surroundings.
0: What can you do? I will tell you, though, this job is it needs to be fulfilled quickly. We would hope that you would be starting out in the morning if possible. I mean, we had not expected to run across a group this quickly. Who would be willing to take the job? But Well, hold on. I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, Ran Vos. Come, come out here. We might have someone who's willing to undertake that small task that we have. And from in the back comes um, an older looking uh, elf. Uh, they have long silvery white hair pulled back, uh, wearing very fine, uh, very fine clothes with a half cape. He's got very long, slender fingers. He's got rings on each of their fingers. Uh they come up to the counter. So uh Gray Mag, you say that this uh, individual might be willing to do the job? She says she's part of a group. Uh, well,
4: There are four of us in total.
0: Uh four. That that might that might do. Um understand we would need confirmation that you are willing to take the job uh before we could discuss the details fully Uh, i have a contract Uh, if you can gather the rest of your group we could go over the job uh, and sign the contract and then uh, i could explain the nature of the requirement it's recovery in basic it's recovery of a stolen item but uh, in the details, that's where things get a little trickier. So, uh, where here, if you wish to gather your rest of your troop,
4: yes, yes, and and so she wants to look at how well dressed that individual was, mm-hmm. and then look at the contract details regarding pay and see if mm-hmm. those two seem to be appropriate to each other.
0: Uh, he is he he's got the contract, but he's not actually showing it to you yet he's not willing to discuss the contract details Have together but you can give me a let's call this a either a street or a shadow to kind of get a glimpse at the contract
4: i do have one in shadow so
0: takes the difficulty down to 10
4: okay and so is there a primary attribute that i'm pairing with this
0: There is indeed, that is your guile skill. Okay,
4: so rolling three again. And so now my target this time is reduced by one. So I'm looking for tens.
0: 10, 11, or 12.
4: (laughs) All right. Uh, So I'll walk this through because I think this might be a couple things. So my fancy dice Mm -hmm. was a 12. And another one of my dice was a 12.
0: Okay. So that's three successes right there. All right. So with three successes, um, you're able to get a really good look at the contract, actually. He doesn't realize that you can read upside down. Um, So while it was out, you were scanning over the document. And there are several particulars of it. The location, actually what you're doing is hunting down a partner of these two individuals They were doing research into an arcane key that would unlock a hidden temple beneath the ruins of an old moat house about a day and a half's march outside of the village. They had just uncovered information about this temple. You believe the very same temple that you heard about from uh, Billy earlier in the day. Their third partner absconded with the key. However, he does not know where the lock is that fits it. He left before he got all of the information. And the lock, this magical lock is hidden somewhere within the moat house. So they think you you probably have a few days to get to this partner and retrieve the key. The pay is dependent on how 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 well you do. If you get there, you retrieve the key. And get it back to them um, without the partner or with the part with the partner escaping, uh, each individual would get five gold pieces. Now, if you are able to either capture and recover the partner, or if the partner dies and you recover the key, you would ge- each get 10 gold pieces. If you're able to recover the key, deal with the partner and figure out where the secret lock is for the key, you would each get 25 gold pieces upon your return and possible future contract work, uh, probably related to the temple itself. So a small fortune.
4: Yeah, and so imagining that maybe there is like a a candle or something on the other side that kind of illuminated it that he might not have noticed, and she can... She has to sort of cover this, the light at reading those numbers there. Uh, <clears throat> yes, I will exit and locate the rest of my group and we'll bring them back.
0: Wonderful. We look forward to meeting with you and your group on your return. Uh, but please, as quickly as you can, time is sensitive which I'll explain to you when I explain the contract a little more in detail and as that yes. we see we Denzel walking out of the traders we see our other three adventurers walking out of the tavern hopefully to meet up on the streets of the village of Hamlet so they can travel off to the ruined moat house in search of a nefarious thief and the secret entrance to a hidden temple And that is where we are going to end tonight's session. Um, Thank you, everybody, for uh, bearing with me as we went through character creation. I really like the character creation system for this game. I think it's a lot of fun. I think the archetypes are very different, and they bring something very different to the table and very different mechanically. So I wanted to showcase that. Um... And then next week we're going to get into a little bit of journeying. We're going to get into a little bit of a uh, little bit of dare say combat. We're going to see uh, we're going to we're going to we're going to see how this shakes out. So once again, um, take a look. Uh, we've got the links to the Kickstarter page is in there. Kickstarter is going. Uh, it's got about I think twenty eight days left on it. So there's plenty of time to take a look at it. Pete's on the Kickstarter page. Pete's got some videos explaining the game much better than I did tonight. Once again, you can also go to Garbleye Games, take a look at uh, his playthroughs of this, several weeks of it, uh, with uh, um, the Red Hand of Doom. And once again, there's also the Discord channel that you can take a look at and ask Pete some questions directly. And if you really just want to dive into the game yourself using the Kickstarter rules, go to Drive-Thru RPG uh you can download them they're free Quickstarter rules are free the uh, initial adventure is free there's some pre-generated characters uh and so you can dive into your own adventure and you can stress test the mechanics and have some fun with it yourself so i hope everybody watching either tonight on twitch or on youtube enjoyed our first session of heroic deeds i hope my players did i know i had a good time with it um real quickly um Speaking of Garblag Games, I'll do a quick recap of what they've got going on. So tomorrow, normally, you would see me in the narrator's seat uh, as we continue the Marvel Multiverse Cataclysm of Kang. However, this week, I have to be on base because work is once again interfering with my hobbies, as as it does. So there'll be no game on this uh, tomorrow. But Thursday, uh, definitely tune in at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and you can see... uh, the king himself uh pete mr garblag running heroic deeds uh so you get gonna see a, a master at work and then the following tuesday you can find millie the gm uh continuing her coriolis run and that's all i've got so i'm going to turn it back over to jeff awesome uh, for us here on the
3: gaggers, our next stream is Thursday. We're doing more werewolf. The apocalypse, we're getting very, very close to the end of our chronicle. Uh, probably not the finale, but getting very close. You can see a bunch of us, uh, in that game. Uh, Friday, uh, Aaron is going to be hopping back into the GMC. He's going to be doing Warhammer 40 K wrath and glory Saturday. We're doing call of Cthulhu eternal lies. Uh, Monday we've got fragged empire and Tuesday we're back to this. And then, Stephen, why don't you tell people why they should
2: join our Discord? Well, first of all, because I'm there. That That's reason enough as it is. But if it's not well, reason enough... That was the reason I was applying.
5: Are oh, okay. there others?
2: Well, then we can move on, though. Oh. <laughs> no, but I think I, I want to hear about there these is a other bonus reasons, reason. though. Oh, there is a bonus reason. Uh, I am working on my own game. Uh, if you're watching this, you either like lollygaggers, you like me, you like Aaron, you like new games. Uh... Any of those reasons except for Aaron is a good reason to sign up to play test my game. That's fair. Uh, I mean, Aaron couldn't be, they be watching my game, it, but he hasn't because
3: yet. they like Kipser and Melissa too. Why is it just the three of like? that just the, what, what what is that about?
2: <laughs> Jeez, yes, Steven. Even. Well, Melissa Man. doesn't like me, so she's never out. let Stephen do and, his plug again. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> anyways i'm making a new game it's a weird west game it's a lot of fun you should come play it with me uh come play test it with me
3: yeah absolutely having played it a couple times it's very fun uh you should come Uh, i I am
0: gonna find a time to do it because i love weird west it is a lot of fun almost my favorite genre of of games to play so
3: fantastic uh i think that's it then we're gonna go ahead and raid come back in a week uh check all the links if you're watching this later on youtube uh check the show notes i'll have links to all the stuff for heroic deeds Uh, and discords and things like that down there so you can find all that stuff there Uh, we're gonna go ahead and raid uh someone let's raid uh let's raid interpoint station they're doing some kind of hex crawl thing that seems to fit with what we're doing so uh have a great night everybody we'll see y'all later bye-bye
5: good night